0: Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. Queensland on which we play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators I work alongside of. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show. I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland, based in Rockhampton, and today that acknowledgement of country has never felt more important than the team that I'm about to talk with. So let me introduce Kat Lawler, Assistant Regional Director, also in Central Queensland and of course Kat based in Mackay. Welcome back to the podcast,
1: Kat. Thanks, Trude. Delighted to be here.
0: My next few guests are also no strangers to the podcast. I've got our Indigenous Pathways and Partnership Coordinators, the lovely Saini Willett, again, based in Mackay. G'day, Saini. Hello. How are you? I am really well and just really looking forward to this conversation with you. And Charmaine and parlett also an Indigenous Pathways and Partnerships Coordinator based in Emeralds. G'day, Charmaine. Hello Trudy, it's great to be back. It's great to have you back and it just gets better because we've also got Sophie Yassos. Sophie is our community education counsellor. G'day Sophie. Hi Trudy, darling, how are you? I am really well and look, you're all very familiar with the podcast because you've been on with me before but our next guest is a part of this team, first time for her. Welcome Rhonda Busk and of course Rhonda is our Head of Department with State Delivered Pindi.
2: Hi Trudy, I'm so happy to be here with all of you today. Thank you.
0: Great to have you Rhonda. We're actually talking about our Every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Student Succeeding Plan. So I'd love to kick off our conversation today and to hear from all of you. What are you most excited about within the Every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Student Succeeding work? that you're involved with. So Rhonda, over to you.
2: I guess the word change comes to my mind. So I'm excited about seeing the change that is happening in central Queensland region. That's brilliant, thanks Rhonda. Charmaine, what are you excited about?
3: I think I'm gonna start with the words value and trust. The fact that we were in the URCQR space and middle leaders and lead learning days. It's like setting the scene that we've valued as people in the team. So to me, it's value and trust.
0: And that's positive to hear that, Charmaine. Sophie, what are you most excited about with the work?
4: I it's the partnerships and the co-designing of everything. Uh, since we've formed this team with the lovely Kath, we've never had a voice so big in this area I've never heard a voice so big than the Indigenous perspectives all the way through coming from the top I think it's a blessing and listening to our voices being heard is amazing in this
0: area yeah and I can see you nodding Sainis
5: what are you excited about yeah I'm probably excited about a few things I'm really excited about our team Our team leading the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander education is intentional. That's what I'm really excited about in getting a little bit emotional because the word intentional is there. The way that we are working right now is unique and authentic. And it connects to the cultural capability framework in the knowing and the doing and the being. I feel our connectedness in our team, and I believe that it is making that one percent difference in our CQ region. And you know, with us making that one percent difference and modeling that, and it's going to filter down. That's where my my vision is going. You know, it, my vision I see is, is is going to happen, and and the time's right. The time's now.
0: And Sony. Do- You referenced the 1% difference and some of this work actually stemmed from a 1% conversation, I know that. So I'm going to go to you now, Kat. What are you excited about?
1: I think we just heard what I'm excited about. Uh, Listen to it. You know, the fact that we have elevated and empowered our First Nations colleagues to lead the work. I think that they're inspiring. They've taught me to really listen. They've taught me so many things. Their work gets me excited and what they have to say.
0: So, yeah. Kath, as the lead of the Every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Student Succeeding Portfolios, can you tell us about the why, why it's so important?
1: Well, I'll just uh, capture how it started. And it was um, a conversation with Kay uh, about 12 months ago. Let's uh, paraphrase Kay's words. We've been working hard at this for a long time, decades, she would say, decades. In central Queensland, we have many patches of really, really beautiful and great practice. However, what we don't have is a systematic approach to it. We didn't elevate Indigenous voice in the work. So that's why we sit here today with all the emotion and all the knowledge and all the weight around us, but all the guidance as well to take this forward, you know, and and it comes from the top. Uh, The strategic portfolio was created. I had the great honour of leading that. Our why is to systematically create ways of working in our region that in years to come, people will say, yeah, well, in CQ, of course, that's just what you do.
0: So, Saini, would you like to talk a little bit about the transitions work? Yeah,
5: sure. Thanks, Trudy. I guess with the transition, when we look at it and where it's going to take our First Nation students and our, our children into, through and beyond schooling, and our ways of doing things, we always look at things holistically. So when we look at it, it's all about relationships and it's all about connectedness. And without any of that, there's no smooth transition, there's no communication. It's identifying and knowing those critical judges, you know, from playgroup to kindergarten to prep to Year 6 and 7 and the meaningful pathways to our senior students and their transition going on to work and, and, and or study. Knowing your students and, and knowing the families and knowing the community that the families are in, that they are connected to. It, it's about everyone knowing... Their roles and their responsibilities in the process of transition from your CECs to your teachers and the students and the families and the guidance officer, all those people who support in some way in those transition. It's knowing their roles and the responsibilities. As our Department of Education strategy says, it's all about making sure that we get it right, that we are giving all our kids and our children that great start. To be able to engage our our young people, you know, and ensuring that it is safe and it's inclusive, they've got a sense of belonging and value when they come to school. I've got grandchildren from seven years old to one years old. My two one-year-old grandchildren were at Victoria Park State School at their playgroup. So that transition now has started and they're one years old. They're going to have a sense of belonging. So when they start at PrEP, they've got that sense of belonging. They feel valued because they'll already have those connections. And that's what we want for our kids, you know, our Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander kids. But then it's also ensuring that our families know about those play groups. When we look at our every Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander student document, it weaves into our Central Queensland Region Action Plan. When we're looking at our Action Plan, the three key parts to it is, you know, meaningful pathways, connections to culture, high expectations. You know, the purpose and alignment is our universal A-grade transition. That strategy is for all of our Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander students, and that's our key words there, A-grade transition for all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander students. That overarches everything. Everything else, it comes underneath it will connect to it. But this transition is for our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students.
0: Sony, I I I just have to bring Rhonda in here because she's nodding and grinning as you speak. So, Rhonda, I'm sure you've got a lot to offer in this space in terms of the work you do with transitions.
2: Just absolutely, totally agree with what Sony has been saying just then. And I guess the importance of transitioning the whole family, you know, coming back to that and building those relationships. Once you have those, you can take those children on to high school and university and, you know, so on.
0: And I'm just going to link in Charmaine because there's a nice connection here, you know, talking about community and family and I think That links really nicely, Charmaine, in terms of the work that you can speak around engaging with the community and and the work that's happening in the co-design space as well. I was sort of looking at
3: this thinking with the seven phases of co-design, so you work through, so the whole plan or the whole goal is to form a local community education body. So that's where you are at phase seven. So there's there's phase one, information sharing. So this is sharing that information with stakeholders. The phase two, connecting with community, which is like your pre-community consultation. And then phase three is community consultation. So community consultation is where we are right now. So we are the first regional office team in the state to actually be involved in seven phases of co-design. So that's pretty exciting because... There are other co-design pilots going on, but it's that link between two directly to the school. So we're the only regional office team. So we thought we had to do this right. We had to model this in such a way that when we started working with schools, that we could lead this with integrity, that we had walked this walk, that where we found the barriers or where we had a few hiccups along the way, we were aware that that was going to happen. There was phase four response to community and then phase five is co-design governance model and the project plan where we're still not there yet. Six is launch and implement and number seven is evaluation. So in this phase three space where we are, we've, we've done some significant things from capturing, you know, elder stories as pilots to capture their voice and it wasn't just us consulting them because our people are so over consulted it was what could we give back as well and when we spoke to the elders they said we would like to see change in the schools we would like our voice to be heard our stories to be heard we want to share our culture and then we thought What's another thing that we can do as part of this co design or this collaboration is to record their stories, and then we can provide the story in a book format back to the elders for their family. So this is actually giving back, it's not just taking. You look at all the other things that are coming around, you know, whether it's year 10 to 12 retention, C and above in English, or if you have to uh, reduce SDAs, they all interlink the co design the transition, the cultural capability, so everything links in there. But I think from Indigenous' point of view, we remember the face behind the data. It's not just data, it's a real person.
0: Thanks, Charmaine. I think it's really important to emphasise too, and it just makes sense that as a regional team, we would engage with this so that we're able to model it and co-learn alongside our schools and be able to support them.
1: Trude, if I can jump in there, you know, it, it aligns to one of the our team's agreements, our principles, is that we're modelling the behaviours and the actions that we would like to see in school. So the region taking up local community engagement through co-design is we're putting it out there and we're modelling what we would like to see in schools. And I know there are a couple of school communities and principals who are keen to, to get going themselves with this and that will be another action that we'll be picking up and working with those.
0: And I guess that brings me to cultural capability, which is another space too where we've tried to model and be learners. So, so would you like to talk about that piece?
4: Cultural capability, I suppose it's it's about all of us coming together and doing what they need to do and learn. In the cultural capability framework, it's really easy to follow if you have a look at it. The seven directional ways of where you should be, but it's all about knowing, doing and being. You know, you, you think about it. We sit and yarning. What are you doing? You're knowing, you're being, you're being a part of that cultural awareness. And for non-Indigenous people, sometimes they they'll only see the surface. I think a lot of principals will say, you know, we see the surface, we don't go deeper. So we introduce the yarning circle. And in introducing a yarning circle, you're putting everybody in a culturally safe place for those voices that are allowed to speak and those voices that um, speak too much maybe for us. Because when you're sitting with elders and you're going out to community, like what Shemaine was talking about, you've got to actually sit there and listen. And, And if they want to, you know, voice their issues, you need to sit there and listen, but deep listen. What are they actually saying? You pause and give space for the thinking, because we take a little bit longer. We do, just to get to um, in our IELD learning. For some of us, we're contextualizing your talk treaty. We're um, contextualizing, you know, where CAF comes from. What does it look like, feel like, and sound like to an Indigenous person? a student. In this space you've got Indigenous workers, you've got the CECs. Are they being valued in the spaces that they're in? Are they being utilised the best way they should be? Because every CEC is different. Just like the four of us, we've got our own backgrounds, we come from different nations and peoples. Where are their skills used? Can we help Build those skills and those um, CECs and Indigenous education workers that are in our schools. And we've got heaps. There's a lot of the eight ways learning and Uncle Ernie's framework that we use. So this is the eight ways of learning. I don't need to give you a piece of paper to say we're doing it. There's my storytelling. But it's contextualising it all together and getting those stories from community and kids. You know, where do you want to be? Would you like to learn something special in your school? Having those conversations, that's cultural capability. You're building their cultural capability as well as us as Indigenous people. We're learning from you fellas too because we need to contextualise what, what do you mean by differentiating? Is there a simple word I can use to explain to the kids and to parents? Or Just give me a simple word that I can use and we'll work that out together. And with that co-designing, this is what it's all about. I go everywhere now and I can hear my non-Indigenous colleagues speaking up for our kids. I walk past the pod and they're, you know, have you asked this about their families? Are they Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander? Oh my gosh, it's everywhere. I haven't heard it so much. It's like fireworks going off everywhere. So those fireworks are affecting everybody around their pods. We can hear it in schools and it excites us. Because that's the that's the talk we want to hear. We're going to come into the middle leaders and leading learning days now, and we're taking URCQ all the way with these days. We will build your capability. We will have yarnings, you know, the best yarnings you need to know and feel, see, and hear what it's like to be Indigenous in our spaces and working together. You know, co-designing a plan for your student that needs to be a little bit more supported than what we've already been doing. We talked about the 1%. Let's move that a little bit further. If we put 1% here, you got a team of five, you got 5% there. And this doesn't always need to be an uh, Indigenous person. So we're building the cultural capability all sorts of ways, but we're starting with our uh, regional office. And that's where it comes from. If we can't lead it, How are we going to lead our schools together? That's what cultural capability is about. It's about knowing us, knowing you, working together for our kids' sakes and putting them forefront. Our kids come first.
0: And so, if I'm just reflecting back to in terms of cultural capability, and, and that's our walk on country, we actually have in our plan about offering that opportunity across our region. So, would you like to talk a little bit about that?
4: Yes, so we have um having a couple with an elder. Uh, uh, every new principal have a couple with a, an elder in your town. As we organise these get-togethers, it's just a little meet and greet. They'll tell you stories, have a yarn with them. It doesn't need to be on campus. You know, uh, someone said to me the other day, "Can I take my deputy?" I said, "Why not?" Or you know, my wife wants to come and hear the stories of the local people. I said, oh my gosh, it's getting bigger but that's a conversation if they're thinking about it you know and it's getting those elders together because it is a big thing when you've got four different nations in one town that you know not too sure then you call one of us we can get somebody in that's not a problem it's very doable to have a couple with an elder and a principal the walks on countries are amazing they're very effective we see things that you can't put in a book We've got cultural capability all over the place and we've got, you know, books coming out of our ears. But when you walk on country, you're looking at it, you're feeling it and you're seeing it straight from the traditional owners as they walk. I love Shemaine's story. as She says, I went with my elder and I fell in the water, you know, so that sort of thing. That's what we do for our families. You know, I'm taking uh, my dad that's passed away. We've got um, mothers here that have passed and kept telling us, you know, do what you need to do for the kids of for all our families, we take this into our jobs. I think that's the big difference too, I think it's like we take our family to work and we stand there together with our non-Indigenous and uh, I think we said that to Kath, Kath's our mother um, we've got our big sisters and our big brothers, we keep them in line like you do, might not agree but we have those conversations
0: So Kath, with that Love to hear about case
1: management. So, the universal strategy in the action plan was about transition, so an A grade transition for every First Nations student, and really putting on the table for principals what does it take? What do we need to do? The targeted one is about that cultural capability piece, and particularly, you know, walk on country for every new principal is one of the, I guess, signature actions that we're taking. So our intensive strategy is about developing a quality case management process, but, and we're focusing in on our triple vulnerable students, so Indigenous out-of-home care students with disability, and looking at, well, okay, so what does it take to develop an A-grade case management process around these kids? What, what is the, the culturally safe practices that we need to engage with there? Uh, other Indigenous voice at the table, for instance, and it certainly is something that lends itself down the track, I think, to those co-design processes which we're developing. Now, the transitions aspect has been led by a multidisciplinary team, we would call it in regional office, so people from ECEC and state schooling. The subject matter experts around transition is sitting around the table and going, okay, what's it take? Let's focus in. And we've just started and Kelly Jepson's leading this piece and developed the multidisciplinary team that's going to look at case management because we serve our principals. We want to serve all our kids, of course, First Nations kids, but we've got to go with our principals on this. And for me, I'm going to advocate, you know, principals need clarity. Tell me what it takes. Tell me what to do. And that's what we want. And I think if we do our work right too in the spaces that are happening now in cultural capability, you know, I think everyone wants the best for every kid you know, and it's our job to show how it can be done and what we can do. That is a work in progress. Watch this space.
0: Yeah, thanks, Kat. We have some underpinnings in terms of how we want to do the work, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about
1: that. Well, how about I start it off, and I'm sure the girls will jump in because that's how we go. Firstly, I'll just say that this how piece first came up when, uh, you know, as a a diligent public servant, these girls are going to laugh, as a white, middle-class public servant, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I did scan and assess. I developed an action plan. Well, we presented the action plan to Leon Proud, who's in charge of Indigenous education. More or less, I'm going to paraphrase, but he said, great plan, great strategies. But he said, I'm going to challenge you on how you're going to do this work. How are you going to make it different? And he talked about, you need to go to your First Nations colleagues and you need to have their voice in this. You need to let them lead. So and I'm very thankful that Leon gave that feedback. I'm very thankful that that Kay was like, yep, go there. Do what you need to do. I think we have some principles that we go to. Well, the first one is whatever it takes. Yeah, we're going to go to the hard things because I think traditionally maybe we might have circled around stuff that was a little bit tricky, you know, that even if we go down to school land, that family or that family's too tricky to engage. I'm not going there. I'm afraid I'm going to upset someone. I'm not sure what to say. And even regionally, if I can say that in some areas of our region, it's a little bit harder to engage because of different contested nations. In areas, the girls are nodding. It's not our role as educators to work in that space, but we need to understand it and help our principals understand it, which is part of what Walken Country is about. So it's those tricky spaces. uh, Remuneration, appropriate remuneration of our First Nations community members, elders, the people we work with, you know, as you would expect in any other circle. So we've been pushing hard on that.
4: In that area, that's why we're doing it from regional point of view. If we be your guinea pigs too at the same time, then it makes sense for you. And we've got that trust, like Saini was saying, that we walk this walk together. And we're role modelling for the principals and their CECs, principals and their uh, communities. If they can't get it right with their CECs or education workers, I wouldn't move into community straight away but if they haven't got that relationship somebody in the school has a really great relationship and especially with those small schools everybody knows somebody and being that respectful person and as you as principals change over can we get that sustainability in a in every school in cq where hey this is what we do if you want to find out about local knowledge And we can help you find those areas. Yeah, that's a great point, Kath. And I think the
1: other point is that it's okay not to know. I want the principals to know that it's okay. Just ask, you know, because we know. that. And I myself, you know, used to be pretty tentative around stuff and not sure should I ask that, should I say that, what will I do here? Well, now because I have relationships with my team, I know you guys have laughed many times about my attempts sometimes at doing things and saying things, and but it's okay. And I think principals need to know that. Like if you have the right will and the moral purpose, you had the relationships, well, it's okay. Go and have a go. And
3: I think it's probably encouraging principals not to be afraid to ask for that advice or support. And I think the biggest learning curve I've had is trying to put myself, if I was sitting in the space when they are the person responsible in the school, what can I give back as a regional office person, an Indigenous representative, to support them on their journey? And that's around that building cultural capabilities because I see that as a really strong starting place. If you don't get it right in that space, it makes everything else a bit more difficult.
5: This is where that 1% comes in because now that we're looking at what does it take, it's taking us to make the difference because something needs to change, and this is the change that now is happening. Um, And, you know, those cups of teas, those walk-on country, that's the foundation that we're now laying for us to be able to build those relationships that we're having with our principals and with our regional staff and department, you know, we're we're laying the foundation so that we can take the next steps and move on to the next steps.
2: And I guess I also think of this year's reconciliation with be brave, be respectful. And I'm hearing that. I'm hearing that from fellow educators. They are feeling like they can ask these questions of us, you know, and that's what we want. Not to just not do something because they're scared, but be brave and and be respectful and make that change.
1: Can I just share an example? Uh, And I'll shout out Kim Saxby, Principal at Youngler. She recently had the couple with an elder with Saini and Uncle George. And she sent a beautiful email after, what you'd perceive as a fairly simple act, but it's deep and it's about relationships. She already said that, you know, as a result of that, the things that she's looking at is authentic acknowledgement of countries, looking at a cluster walk on country, including all the staff in the cluster, having a cluster planning day to help embed Indigenous perspectives, exploring eight ways of learning pedagogy and Uncle Ernie's holistic framework and inviting Saini and Uncle George back to a clustered dance workshop in semester two. That simple connection piece that our region is doing as our work systematically, every new principal, welcome to CQ, this is what's important, we're going to connect you up. But then principals, we want them to be bold and brave enough to go, right, okay, I I see it. I see what I need to do.
0: So to bring this to an end, I just wondered if there was any last words that you'd like to share.
1: Well, for me, I'll just say in in the Director-General's last vodcast, you know, those words he said, don't wait, act now. He was talking about the cultural capability framework and the work ahead of us. Don't wait, act now. And that would be my call to arms to everyone. We're ready. We've done a lot of work over the last 12 months Getting to this point, and I think we're ready now to go with people on the next level. And I I think I used the word grit the other day. Let's get some grit. Let's get it happening. We need to change some outcomes. We need to clear the way for principals. We need to guide them, and make it very clear for them the ways that that we can make a difference. But yeah, go there. Let's do what we need to do.
4: That might be the next um, NADOC theme.
0: Go there
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah Because this year's is get up, stand up and show up You know, it's for our Indigenous people But I actually think it's for the non-Indigenous You know, get up, stand up for us Show up for us Show up for the kids that you have in the schools and your kindies Be authentic, be real We know when you're gammon And parents know when you're gammon When you go out into community When you haven't even got that relationship Be brave, walk with us Just walk with us and you can't go wrong.
3: Yeah, I was sort of thinking as a a wrap-up for me is probably going back to what Saini was saying and Kath was talking about was that 1%. When you say about the systemic change, it's big. Um, How can you achieve it? It's too big. But the minute you go down to that 1%, oh, what can I do? And your 1% could be you personalise your acknowledgement to country. And then you've done that. So then, okay, what is my next 1%? So it's those little steps and your 1% could be your cuppa with the elder. And that'll lead to another 1%. And and if you have 10 staff in your school, because you're the principal leading the way, that's 10%. So to me is I'm thinking that's achievable goal.
2: You can do that.
3: And don't be afraid to ask us for help or support because we're here to support you.
2: I guess something I would like to leave everyone with is build those relationships with families to ensure Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children feel a sense of belonging and connection to culture, to their school community and in their classrooms.
5: I don't know, how do we sum it up? It's everything that we've said. It's everything that we're doing, I think. What I said earlier on, the time's right and the time is now and we're moving forward. I think we just have to remember to be patient because it's not going to happen overnight. With the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Cultural Capability Framework, we've got that and it's going to guide us to be able to take those steps together. It's going to give us more understanding, give you more understanding as principals, and it's going to give you a step-by-step guidance where we will be walking with you through this you know so like i mentioned before the foundations are now being laid and we're, we're doing that here at regional office so that we can model it and walk with you through it so and i thank you for everything that that you do as principals as
2: well
1: Trudy, I just want to acknowledge also that there is a wider team that sits around the core group, the superstars today, and that's, of course, beautiful Mandy Rankin, who works as a deputy in our strategic lead, and we're well guided also by our two lead principals, Matt Newell and Kelly Jepson, Kate Ingram, and also we have a critical friend, Priscilla Holborn, in central office. Well,
0: thank you. It's been awesome to talk with the team you know, in putting together the show for today, it didn't take long for everyone else on this team, Rhonda, to say, uh, you've got the fast five. You know,
2: they've all done it. I've been waiting for this, Trudy. I've heard plenty. Okay, let's go. So, So, Rhonda, when and where was your first teaching appointment? Okay, so I started my teaching career on Gungaloo Country at Blackwood Estate School. So in the early 90s, um, but not only did I start teaching there, but that was also the school, my brother, my sister, and my children also went to school there. So yeah, uh, I'll do a, a way proud moment for Blackwood Estate School. Yeah, and talk about connection with country and relationships on the. So, Rhonda, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? Uh, something that made me smile this week. I was out visiting SDK, so been out on the road and also went out to Yinabirra, which is one of our state-delivered kindies, which is at Warabinda, a so little Yinabirra. And what I loved seeing was... Teaching happening beyond the four walls. So they were taking not just in the kindy space, but it was kindy, prep one, two, all together outside and using the outdoor environment as a third teacher. And it just made my heart sing, and it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, and I know that would resonate with you, Rhonda, as an early childhood educator as mm.
2: well. So, Rhonda, what's your best book or film recommendation? Oh, i really thought about this, Trudy but a book that has been sitting by my bed for a while, I read it a little bit and then I walk away and then come back. It's called Dream Big and Imagine the What If by Kylie Captain. Have you heard of that one, Trudy? I haven't. So right now, you know, I'm going to be putting it in the show notes. Okay. So this book is filled with messages of kin and country. It celebrates the intrinsic power of dreams and gratitude. And it's a moving chronicle of resilience. It's a a New South Wales teacher and it's her story. And I believe, you know, we all have stories. Stories are there to be shared. You know, incredibly motivating. Yeah, you know, there's tears in there, but, and there's photos, there's, it, it really captures you. And even last night when I was having a flick through it, there was one page on pedagogy, and I'll just read this really quickly one paragraph. Um, you know, good pedagogy, which is, you know, that, that great teaching, it's essential for successful teachers. If you know how to engage your learners and teach in a fun and inclusive way, you're a pretty deadly teacher. So that was a paragraph that just I thought I needed to share with everyone today. Yeah, that's just awesome. Rhonda, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Rhonda, what's your favourite quote? You know me by now, Trudy. I put a lot of thinking into <laughs> everything I do. And I thought about reconciliation. And I've got a quote from the co chair, Dr. Tom Kama. And he said, Here is Australia. We're fortunate enough to have one of the richest and oldest continuing cultures in the world. This is something we should all be proud of and celebrate. So, like with reconciliation around the corner. This is exactly the quote I wanted to share with everyone today.
0: Well, well said and beautiful timing, Rhonda. And okay, now this one I really am curious, Rhonda. (laughs) You are a CQ girl born and bred and well connected to country. So as far as things to see in CQ, what's our best kept secret?
2: Oh, and it's not a best kept secret, but it's definitely my grounding and where I go. And I remember going there on school camps and, you know, culture walks back when I went to high school in the 80s. You know, the this place was where my family would go for barbecues. We would go and um, like everyone from Nan to Pa to all of us go up there. And just walk and breathe. And that would have to be um, Blackdown Tablelands on Gungaloo Country. You know, it's my favourite spot in the world.
0: I probably could have guessed that one, actually. <laughs> I not really think
2: about um, you. The refreshing waterfalls, you know, after it's rained, you, you can't beat it. Many a New Year's Day spent up there celebrating the new year.
0: Yeah, we love it.
2: So, Rhonda, thank you for playing the Fast Five and thank you
0: to the rest of the team for being with me for this episode. It's been a fabulous conversation. If you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, you can email us at cqcommunications at If you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You will find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. Do you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversations? Please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes in fortnight of the show. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.